0: these much anymore but you didn't think i'd miss out on this one now did you it's been a lot of stuff to talk about over the last few months oh i know some of you out there who are big montreal canadians fans have been waiting waiting for me to eat my words on mark bergevin ain't happening. Uh, I actually stand by everything I've ever said about them, but congratulations to your team on making it as far as you did in the playoffs. I hope you enjoyed it, because that's probably the peak of where this team's gonna go to in the next 10 years. But, but, I envy you Montreal Canadiens fans, because as much as I think your general manager is not good, he is night and day better than anything the Edmonton Oilers have had over the last, I don't know, 15 years. But then that would be Kevin Lowe. Yeah, yeah, Mark Bergevin's about Kevin Lowe. Like, <laughs> in 2006, a small but very vocal. Group of Oilers fans wanted Lowe and McTavish gone. I was part of that group. Oh, how wrong we were to want that. Because it's gotten nothing but worse ever since. Now here we are. Welcome to Soups on Hockey. I am your host, Tyler Campbell. How are you today? That's terrific. I'm awful. Thank you very much for asking. Where do I start? Do I start with the positives or start with the negatives? I think you know which one's a much longer listen. Um, Let's start with the positives then cuz I can put a spin on this. Actually, before we start with the positives and the negatives, let's get this out of the way. The Twitter vitriol. It's not so much that cuz I was I wasn't even looking at what other people were posting. I just couldn't stay off it. The, the yesterday, couldn't stay off it. I I was so outraged. I was so livid. <laughs> It's just, oh, this organization, man. <laughs> but the people who just want to be fans, the people who just want to wear the jerseys and cheer for the team, that is fine. There is nothing at all wrong with that. But where it just absolutely kills me, and don't get me wrong, there's many more people out there who are miserable just to be miserable than I am on the Twitterverse. I don't get You know, I stay off there as much as I can anymore. I'm not doing this stuff near as much as I used to. I'm hoping to get back to doing more of it. But I've said a lot of things that I hope to do with this podcast over the years that haven't happened. I think I say that pretty much every show now. It's cool if you want to be a fan and hope for the best. It's cool. Nobody, nobody is giving you shit. Shouldn't swear, but I had to there. Nobody is giving you shit For doing that. If they are, then fair game. But I don't see anybody looking to rip the heads off fanboys. For being fans. But for those fans. For those of us. I myself am one, obviously. Who give a pretty big damn about this organization and want to see it run properly. Save it. Save it for making any of us being the bad guys. We're not the ones who made trades that have 31 organizations, fan bases, Laughing hysterically at us. You want to get mad because you know what we're saying is true. Give it up. There's also a collection of the fan base who goes, see, that's why Ken Holland is where he is and we don't know anything the same Ken Holland who signed Justin Abdulkader to a horrific contract. The same Ken Holland who traded two seconds for Andreas Athanasiou. The same Ken Holland who traded a fourth for Mike Green. Which I still am lost at this point as to why he did that. There wasn't even a need for a defenseman. It's just like he said you should just go get another defenseman. Playoffs, you need defensemen. We gotta get one. Trade deadline rule. It's what I did when there was no cap. I didn't need picks. Better burn them all well. That Ken Holland impersonation is spot on, by the way. Don't tell me otherwise. Like, the Zach Cassian contract, how many people were saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, Ken, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, did it? Zach Cassian, since he signed that deal, is nothing more than a fourth line player. Making 3.2 million a year, and he's got three years left on the deal. Awesome, awesome. Alex on don't do it, Ken, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, I will give him two years, 2.15 million. Now, does that kill you? No. But do a bunch of those moves combined kill you? Yes. And that's what he's done. No, oh, Ken Holland's a good GM. Look, they've improved under him. Yeah, they improved because Peter Shirelli's regime was good at drafting. That's why. That's why they've improved. It's not to say Ken Holland's done all wrong. Ken Holland hasn't been as bad as Peter Shirelli. But not as bad as Peter Shirelli isn't good. Peter Shirelli did the worst job as a general manager in the history of this league. Arguably worse than Mike Milberry in, in New York, but it's debatable the worst job in league history. So if you're going to go with the bar of, eh, Holland's better than Shirelli, realize it's not much of a bar to climb over. Call me crazy, but as a fan, I prefer my GM be good. That's my bar. If you have a good GM... And you're complaining because he's not Steve Iserman or he's not Joe Sackick, although we all should know by now that's Chris McFarland's doing in Colorado, not Joe Sackick's. You know, he's not Eric Tulsky. It's not Don Waddell in Carolina, it's Eric Tulski. He's not Jeff Gordon, free agent, by the way. Go get him. Like, if your GM is not one of those guys, if your GM is, uh, I have a tough time defending Day off these days, tough time defending Trey Living these days, Uh, if your GM is Doug Armstrong and you're calling for his head, eh, eh, that one's tougher, although Doug Armstrong's reputation is quickly fading. The NHL is poorly run in general. But, man, the Oilers take the cake. Do you realize that this is the worst run organization in sports since Daryl Cates assumed ownership? I can't say it's fact, because there's no true way to measure that. But being a massive sports fan... Yeah, it's the worst run over the last, that was 2008, 13 years. It has been the worst run organization in sports. Please do not give me, yeah, but, and list off the five things that the organization got right versus the 200 things the organization got wrong. You want to be a fan? awesome. God, I wish I could be just a fan and going, rah, rah, I love my Oilers. But I can't do it anymore. I can't. I'm an adult. Sorry if you think that's a slap in the face. I don't mean for it to be. It's just how I feel. It's just I feel I've matured. And now as an adult, I'm like, holy, geez, this team is so poorly run. The old me would have just said that sentence with about twenty-seven expletives put in there, but I got a job where I shouldn't do that anymore. If I was still running heavy equipment, being a foreman and all that stuff, then I could probably f-bomb the heck out of this podcast. But I can't, so I got a fudge bomb the heck out of this podcast. Fudging anyway. Okay, so just, I get it. You don't like the negativity. You don't like the negativity because you know it's true. You don't like to hear that your team's going to be not good. They're not going to be not good. They're going to be okay. But moves like this cost Team Stanley Cups. And the Oilers' window this summer was, hey, got lots of cap space. We do this right. We're a contender. First thing they do, Devonshore. Well, this is me. I'm telling people. Settle down, settle down. That's the type of contract that can go to the miners. That can be your 16th forward for all we know. That's like, let's not, let's not go insane over this. That's easily variable. Like, that's nothing. Duncan Keith. Wow. I'm not sure Peter Shirelli would have done this trade. Like, that's how bad it is. Let's start with, let's put the most positive spin we possibly can on it, though. Because here's the thing. People confuse stupid move with good move in hindsight. I heard this one today from Bob Stoffer. Ah, people dumped all over the Leon Dreisaitl contract. Yep, they did. And just because it's worked out doesn't mean they weren't horrifically dumb with the way they handled it. The village idiot who wins the lottery doesn't have financial tips for you. Like how is this lost on people? Dumb decision that pans out isn't a right decision. You got lucky. The oilers at least at minimum overpaid for dry cycle by a million dollars, and fans. St- Still, when this organization does the same thing repeatedly, wanna be apologists for it. Why do you think they're getting swept by Winnipeg and can't win playoff series with two of the five best players on the planet right now on their team? It's because of stupid decisions like this. and you still want to assume that the organization is doing the best they can. No, they hire the worst people. Ken Holland, it was, I I thought I was going to get the positive on this. (laughs) Ken Holland, it was so obvious in his last eight years in Detroit, this man did not know what he was doing anymore. He had an amazing draft class in 1989 and then caught lightning in a bottle in back-to-back years with Datsuk and Zetterberg. You want to talk about the man's quote-unquote genius? That's it. That's it. Now, does that mean he was a shitty GM in all those years in Detroit? No, he was not a shitty GM. But the game has very much so passed him by. And it was obvious in Detroit. Franz Nielsen, Justin Abdelkader, Jonathan Erickson, Steven Weiss. Go down the list. The drafting got way worse. The man was so obviously not a good GM anymore. And Bob Nicholson just had to have him. Why? Because he was his buddy. That's it. And he hired a coach who in his last few years in Arizona proved that the game was passing him by. It was obvious There was more, there was more, I can't remember what I was going to say. There was a really attractive woman that just walked by my house, so I had to look. We don't lie on this podcast. And she had a golden retriever with her. That might have been hotter than the girl. For me, anyway. Love me some goldens. Griff's not here right now, so missing him. Wonder if I should go wife that girl. I don't know. (sighs) <sighs> anyway, Bob Nicholson, hiring his buddies. Obvious again, Dave Tippett, Holland's buddy. Game, it, like, Dave Tippett probably had more talented teams in his last few years in Arizona than he did when he was winning. And people want to say, well, <laughs> the Oilers' record, look at it under Tippett and Holland. 11th and 12th, woo! That's, you aren't doing a deep dive. You're... Your people who do do the deep dives are saying, "Well, no. If you look closer, la ah, la 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 la, don't want to hear it. Can't see it. Can't hear it. Eleventh and twelfth, la 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 la, can't see it. La 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 la, grow up, grow up. And you can say that to me too. I acted like a fool on Twitter today. I threw a fit." I, I do that from time to time when it comes to others. I don't hide from it. Not happy about it. Totally ashamed by it. Someone needs to pull the phone out of my hand. But I'll admit it. Dave Tippett, Dave Tippett ran McDavid and Dreisaitl on a line together this year. And there was zero evidence that it worked. And he kept doing it. And he kept doing it, and he kept doing it, and he kept doing it. And eventually I'm going, oh, well, he must be just trying to run Connor's numbers up for him since they got a playoffs ball locked up. And then in the last three games against Winnipeg, he went back to it. And then I got to hear from guys like Elliot Friedman, yeah, that series was about depth and the Jets had more depth than the others. Right? Because Dave Tippett didn't want to run his lineup properly. Yet we don't even mention this. Ah, Dave Tippett, good guy, can't bash him, wouldn't be his fault. Huh? Like, do me a favor. Don't listen to the media. They don't want to tell the truth. Now I'm sounding conspiracy theorist. I'm not meaning like, you know, news media and all that stuff, but like, (laughs) when it comes to you know, TSN reporters and Sportsnet reporters and, you know, newspaper writers, they, they either don't know the game or don't want to tell the truth. It's very often one of the two. I love Elliot Friedman. Love him. Not once did him and Merrick talk about, you know, Dave Tippett didn't do a good job coaching in this series. Nope. Ah, Winnipeg had more depth. That's what it was. Oilers just can't have any depth. Ah, it's Shirelli's fault. Huh? Taylor Hall went for a second in Anders Bjork at the trade deadline. Don't tell me they couldn't have got depth. Ken Holland just pissed that away pretty much for Duncan Keith today. Taylor Hall's still in his prime. Duncan Keith is five years past his prime. This was supposed to be the positive part of the podcast. Oh. How do I get to the positive part? There is. Okay, let's rewind. I wish I could do a rewinding sound. Because what I think I was going to say before I started ranting, and I'll probably lose my place again and start ranting. This is so bad. Um, Bad trades can work out. I stand by everything I said last off-season about Mark Bergevin's trade for Josh Anderson. Horrific. Horrific. Does he want to go get Josh Anderson? Awesome. Go get him. Go get him. Drastically overpay? What are you doing? This is the equivalent to, in life, you know, a couple months ago I bought a house. Now, technically, I didn't need a house. I would have been fine being a bit of a drifter, staying at friends' houses, maybe sleeping in my vehicle a couple times a week. I didn't need a house. What I could have done with all that money that goes into my mortgage is I could have just used it all on lottery tickets. And I could have just, I just could have played Lotto Max like several, like I could sunk several hundreds of dollars every week into the Lotto Max. But what do you think is the better move for me? Now, the house isn't a guarantee. The house is not a guarantee. Something might go wrong with it. I mean, I did the inspection and everything. Something still might go wrong with it. This house, you know, knock on wood... Something might happen at this house. A tornado might hit, blow down this house. You know what people could then say? Oh, you shouldn't have bought that house, man. You shouldn't have bought that house. What are the odds that that happens, though? Meanwhile, if I used all that mortgage money every month to go buy lottery tickets, and I won, imagine that. Imagine when Lotto Max is $70 million. Imagine if I would have hit that. Whoo! obviously the lotto max at 70 million is worth way more than the house so why wouldn't i have just gone and played the lotto max till i won stupid me like (laughs) this was these are the moves that drive me insane the josh anderson trade Mark Bergman, it paid off. He won the Lotto Max. You're probably better off, though, to not go get a severely injury prone. What is he? 20. He's 2014 draft. No, like 2012 draft. So he's a 94. So, you know, 27 now, 26 at the time, 26 year old forward who had never put up a 50 point season, still hasn't. I don't, even, I don't even think this year he was on pace for a 50 point season. Meanwhile, you're trading a guy who had 73 points a couple years ago, gritty player. I know, like, Max Domi's not perfect, but I don't know. I They added a third round pick, and then they paid Josh Anderson more than what they were going to pay Max Domi. (laughs) Like it paid off. Congrats, awesome for you, Habs fans. It paid off. That's awesome, and it did. I love Josh Anderson, but you don't. I, I just don't believe in drastically overpaying for things. Oh, we needed that guy, did you? Did you, like, did that, did Josh Anderson make your team that much better this season? Like, I watched the playoffs. He wasn't bad. I don't think he brought anything to the table that Max Domi couldn't have also provided for your hockey club. And in fact, if your team had a little bit more of a game breaker like Domi has the ability to be, I don't know. I mean, you weren't beating Tampa, but... I don't know. You had a tough time putting the puck in the net. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I know this. You, you shouldn't, like, go get Josh Anderson. That's awesome. But pay the right price. He wasn't staying in Columbus. Was any other team paying close to what you offered? You want to give up Max Domi because, you know, you're worried he's going to leave or whatever? Cool. Get some other assets back with Josh Anderson. Don't give them another asset. That was this trade that the Oilers did on steroids. Sorry, this Oilers trade was that trade on steroids. Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. This is, again, this is supposed to be the positive part. But that's where I was going at least this time. Is that is the positive part. That is the positive part. This can work out for the Oilers. I wouldn't be overly shocked if it worked out for the Oilers. I really wouldn't. It's... The price. It's the fact that you don't just bend over for a team. But this could work out. Duncan Keith being worth five and a half next season wouldn't shock me. Caleb Jones not being anything more than a bottom pairing defenseman wouldn't shock me. Duncan Keith making the Oilers a better hockey club would not shock me. But the reality is, in all likelihood, Ken Holland gave up the defenseman that will be better next season and added $4.7 million to his cap to do it. Duncan Keith, great skater, still at 38. Uh-huh, Caleb Jones, just as good of a skater. All the underlying numbers say that Caleb Jones right now is a better defenseman. Oh, but they need those graybeards. Yep, yeah, they do. They do. I am 100% in the corner of the Oilers need to add veterans to that locker room. And normally I'm not that guy. But it's very clear with this team, they need some veteran help. You don't pay that to get it. You don't pay that. But it can work out. Here's another thing I thought of. If you want to go glass half full, if you want to go Mr. Optimistic, here's something that maybe highly, 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 highly doubted. But maybe it's possible in the thinking here. That Ken Holland said, okay, we are going to piss away Caleb Jones anyway. We really want, we really liked Soderlund in the World Juniors, so we want to get him added to this deal. We're willing to pay a conditional third to do that, to get him in there, because we think that kid could be really close to playing, and we'd love a center like that. We really need one like that in our organization. So it's Caleb Jones who we're going to piss away in the expansion draft anyway, And a prospect we really like. And the reason we are willing to eat Keith's salary and not let this drag out and not not look to wear Bowman down is because if we get Keith in here, we've gone to our guys that we need to re-sign. We asked Ryan Nugent Hopkins about it. Ryan said, yep, take a little off my yearly salary to make sure we can fit him in. We went to Adam Larson about it. yep. I'm good with taking a little bit less to get that guy in here. He is a hall of famer. I want to play with that guy. We went to Mike Smith. Mike Smith said, yep, I want that guy on my team. I'm willing to take $500,000 less next season to make sure he fits on our team. We called around. We back channeled to the free agents we're really interested in. Ryan Getzlaff, when he heard that they're going to get Duncan Keith, went, oh, oh, I'll big time consider you guys now because I love playing with Duncan Keith on all the Team Canada's that I played with him. And then you went to Corey Perry and Corey Perry said, oh, if Keith's in and my boy gets lost in, I definitely want to come to Edmonton. That is possible. That is possible highly doubt it highly 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 doubt it but it's possible taylor hall you went to taylor hall taylor hall said you know what if you're getting that guy and you're able to get some of those other guys because you get that guy i'm in and i'll take a discount to do it it is possible can't see it happening I think what's more likely is that a GM that's well past his prime thought, meh, whatever. Sure seemed like it in his press conference that I just got done watching. He had no tangible answer to anything he was asked. When a GM is getting pissy with the media over simple questions, and then anytime he does actually answer it like an adult, He has no good answer. It's just, oh, we need the intangibles. Yeah, you know right there, you know right there that he knows, he knows that he bought the lottery ticket over investing the money wisely. Sometimes the lottery ticket wins. Sometimes it wins. Josh Anderson, it won. Josh Anderson wasn't anywhere near the lottery ticket that Duncan Keith is. And I don't mean that as a positive for the Oilers. I don't. I mean that Josh Anderson's about the same level of lottery ticket except for the Oilers paid double as to what the Habs paid. (laughs) This is so bad. This is... And again... It would not stun me if Duncan Keith came in and looked phenomenal. It would not stun me. It's not, In fairness, in complete fairness. And, oh, jeez, the Chris Chelios comparison, shut up. But it's true. It's true. It's awful to make trades based off what some other individual did 20 years ago. But it's not just Chris Chelios, in fairness. We see it a lot. Shea Weber, uh, what, a year or two older than Duncan Keith, still playing at an extremely high level. Ray Bork, into his four, and out of all the defensemen, over time, Keith probably plays more like Ray Bork than any other defenseman. Ray Bork was incredible uh, till he was 41, and then he retired, of course. When he retired, he was still near the top of his game. And Ray Bork, in fairness, his last year in Boston, looked like he was shot. Now, Duncan Keith has looked like he's been shot for the last three or four years. So, yeah, pretty big difference. I like how Ken also said in his press conference, yeah, there's no way to tell. Yeah, there's no way to tell. Like, you know, scouting, like, Like, going to watch the player to see how he does? And, I mean, I haven't even got to the Caleb Jones aspect of this. Told you they were going to piss him away. Told you. You watch. You watch. I I don't know how Duncan Keith's going to be at Edmonton. Everything, every piece of data suggests that he's going to be a train wreck. I truly believe Caleb Jones is going to be a top four defenseman and thrive in this league. And when he gets out from under Dave Tippett and gets with a coach, and I haven't watched enough of the Hawks to know for sure if Jeremy Collins' this guy, but Jeremy Collington is a young coach. I think he's gonna give Caleb Jones every chance to thrive. Chances are his brother is going to be there as well to help him along. I think that kid is going to thrive. And the Oilers are going to look like fools because they pissed him away. Dave Tippett decided to have a vendetta with the kid, who the hell knows why, and decided to give up on him. And then when he got in the lineup, made him walk on eggshells. Any mistake he was getting, any mistake whatsoever that he was making, Tyson Berry would make three and four a night, and it was, ah, good veteran defenseman. Caleb Jones, uh you know, doesn't get in the shooting lane on a two-on-one and Dave Tippett's going, yeah, yeah, we're going to healthy scratch him for 10 games now. Like, geez, it was asinine. It was clear as day, too, that he was doing it. But, of course, the media doesn't want to talk about it. Veteran coach, do no wrong, great guy, yada, yada. I get it. That everyone else taking discounts and Keith helping draw other free agents that they need. It's the only thing you can really hang your hat on is hope. Seeing some guys point out, ah, cleft bombs done, you had to do something. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably could have brought in Oliver, Oliver Ekman Larson probably would have been less of a risk than Duncan Keith. Like, Arizona moves Oliver ekman Larson. Oh, of course, assuming he would have come here. But there was rumors right away when it was reported that, yep, he's going to be available again. That he'd be more open to coming to Edmonton this time. <laughs> and the word around the league, like everywhere, is that Oliver ekman Larson's going to be fine. He just needs out of Arizona. <laughs> well... Okay, and he's 29. And yeah, that contract is worse than Keith's. But you know, you watch. If Oliver Ekman Larson's moved this summer, there's going to be a lot of money going back to Arizona. (laughs) Chicago didn't even eat the difference on Clefbaum's deal. What would that have been? $1.4 million? He didn't even have them eat that. And then I love how Darren Drager and Ken Holland go, yeah, it would have cost more to do that. Oh, my God. Like you talk about not having a clue. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we know Chicago would have wanted more, guys. We know that. It's that Chicago didn't have a, shouldn't have had any leverage in this whatsoever. And Stan Bowman pushed the old man around. Stan Bowman was Pedro Martinez, and Ken Holland was Don Zimmer. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. (laughs) Here comes comes Kenny. He's going to charge at Stan Bowman. And Stan Bowman just grabs him by the head and throws him to the ground. Like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, shouldn't have swore. Apologies to my employers. (laughs) But that's what happened. Oh, my God. And I... Here's the other thing. I love Duncan Keith. He is probably my favorite defenseman in the league since Chris Pronger. Over the last decade, he has been my favorite defenseman in the league. Him or Doughty. It's one of the two. And I don't, don't... not you know, analytics guys, <laughs> take it easy. Not saying that Doughty is the end all be all. I just in his prime love the guy. Oh, that cute girl's walking by again. And she's got a golden. She's got golden hair, and she's got a golden hair. Oh man, it's like we were meant to be. I'm pretty sure I know who that girl is, and I'm pretty sure she's married. But still I just I just wish there was like an app where I could just, you know, point my phone at the girl and find out. You know, like the codes. You know, they just come up on their phone. If I could just point the phone at the at the girl and the code comes up and it says, you know, single, in a relationship, married, you know, something like that. I like the dog more than I like, like, I don't know. Maybe she's got the worst personality ever, but another golden to play with Griff? That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, this is such a bad trade. Oh. This, you ready for this one? This is how bad I think this trade is. I think this trade is worse than Larson for Hall. Or Hall for Larson. I do. I truly do. And again this might work out. Like it's not it's not going to be a huge a huge shock to me if it works. The problem is the value. The problem is the cap. The problem is it shows just how incompetent this organization is. Duncan Keith, those guys can say to their boo in the face, ah He's in tremendous shape. He's still a great skater. He'll be taking on less responsibility. Yep, yep, he will. That's correct, he will. Nothing that he's done suggests he is worth 5.5 million in the last five years. Not in a flat cap anyway. If the cap's going up, More understandable. Caps not going up. They gave back what will argue just as good of a chance. Caleb Jones has just as good of a chance as Duncan Keith at being better this season. Arguably, he's already better. And they gave up Jones. They added all that cap space. They added that pick. Maybe they like Soderlinn that much. I don't know. To me, it's like bottom six center at best. You know, like, took on a lot of tough minutes for the Swedes. I don't know. Not a huge fan. But, you know, I think I think he has a chance to play for sure, and they do need that type of guy in their system. You know, they had several guys they struck out on, thinking of guys like Rasinen and Skyler Brindamore, and, oh, jeez, there's several, but... I mean, you want to talk about wow with this organization? They let Matei Blumel walk because they didn't know that they had to sign him at a certain time. (laughs) They're so, oh, they're so done. This was their chance to build a contender this summer. This is their chance and this is a major red flag, that they might not even be competent enough to get one cup with McDavid, let alone multiple. And they were in that kind of position with a good GM entering this offseason. They were in that type of position where they could have built a team that won two of three or that won three in five years, something along those lines. They were in that type of position. And this is the start. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Kenny somehow pulls multiple rabbits out of the hat this offseason. And in two months, I'm going, you know what? That Duncan Keith podcast, that's hilarious in hindsight because that was a drop in the bucket compared to what he did and how good he was the rest of the offseason. You know, the two mutts podcast boys, they put it out there the other day. Don't be surprised. Taylor Hall signed seven years, five million per. And, you know, it won't be five million per, but it would be around five million per. um, I guess five and a half. That wouldn't stun me. I don't think those guys are full of shit, honestly. I, I think we've heard whispers of this kind of stuff for two years now with Taylor Hall. We've heard this. Was it Brian Boucher or was it Kevin Weeks? I get my ex-goaltender analysts mixed up sometimes. But one of them put it out there in the early spring that Hall and Nugent Hopkins were going to work in tandem to take team-friendly deals to sign with the Oilers. Nugent Hopkins kind of did that. Mind you, it was what Nugent Hopkins was worth. But Nugent Hopkins kind of did that. If Taylor Hall did that type of deal where it's seven years times, you know, same as what Nuge got, maybe 5.25, five and a half, it's pretty good. I don't know if I congratulate Ken Holland on that because there's been rumors of that forever that Taylor Hall wants to come back to Edmonton. But (laughs) this is just terrible. Oh, jeez. Imagine this: Jamie Alexiak right now is a better defenseman than Duncan Keith. If Ken Holland would have went to Alexiak and said, "We'll give you five and a half million for the next two years, give you eleven million total for the next two years," you don't think Alexiak would have taken that? And people would have looked at that deal and went, "What the hell is Ken Holland doing? This is terrible. Jamie Alexiak's not worth five and a half million per." And he gave up assets. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. You know, like, that's it. (laughs) There have been bad free agent deals in the history of hockey that went well. It didn't mean they were good. It meant the team got lucky that they went well. This might go real well for the others. Like I said... He might turn back the clock. He might help draw free agents. He might elevate younger kids. Like he does all that, and the other guys take enough discounts where it's like, yep, we did that to fit him in. So while he's making five and a half million, uh, this guy took 500,000 less, this guy took 500,000 less, and all of a sudden you end up with an extra three mil. And then it offsets his five and a half, and it's like, okay, okay, like, but don't blame us fans for not knowing that. And, you know, I give that about a 0.0002% chance of being the case. Like, these, this man. I tell you. You know how bad it was, too. That press conference, that was that was his unprofessional... And Ken Holland, I will never rip the man. He seems like a genuinely great man. I am not here to shit on Ken Holland as a person at all. It is just grading the job that he does. By the way, I'm not here to shit on Duncan Keith at all as a person or... As, like, the guy is, I said it, he's my favorite defenseman of the last decade. I love the guy. I so badly want this to work. How many times do I come on this podcast, for those of you who do listen regularly, and thank you for that, by the way. For those of you who have listened over the years, how many times do I come on here and say, oh, I want to be so wrong about this? Out of any time I've ever said that, this time I mean it far more than any i so badly want to be wrong about this but the thing is as i'm not wrong about this at all it's just that it anything can work if i go down to the local circle k tomorrow morning and buy a lottery ticket and then i win 27 million you know, Wednesday morning whenever I'd find out. Um, like I wouldn't then have business knowledge to give anyone, because that's not what that was. That was just luck. That was just pure luck. That's what Ken Holland did here. He went out and he bought a lottery ticket. Now, he very possibly bought a 27, you know a lottery ticket for 27 million dollars. By spending $27 million. (laughs) Or at least by spending $10 million. Like, eh, eh. I'll spend $10 million on this one lottery ticket. Hopefully it'll be better. Like, you have $10 million. What are you doing? Because that's kind of what this was. He had a top four potential D-man, Caleb Jones. I know, I know. Oh, Dave Tippett. There's no way. He's, oh, he can't even play for me. Where's Chris? Chris. Chris can penalty kill. We need more penalty killers. Yeah, look what that did in the first round. Congrats. Congrats, Dave. (sighs) Might as well just throw Leon and Connor together again. Like, there's absolutely no proof that it makes the team any better. In fact, there's a lot of proof that it made them worse. But hey, throw them together. Split up the dry set of line. Split up Dry Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto before the Chicago series. It was the best line in the league, but let's split it up. Let's go with something that hasn't worked over something that did work. Two years in a row now, Dave Tippett's done that in playoff series. Yep, two years in a row. But great coach, great guy, great coach. Great guy. Phenomenal guy. Like, doesn't matter if he's a good head coach. Great guy. Great guy. I'll tell you. Go buy those lottery tickets, kids. Uncle Kenny says so. (sighs) When he wins, hey, I want stock tips from you the next day. Because clearly it was a wise financial decision, right? It wasn't just that you got lucky that the lottery ticket won. Nope. Wise decision. Mark Bergman paid out his ass for a guy who had one goal and a ton of injury problems and then gave him a seven-year contract at five and a half per. But he worked out this season, so obviously it was an amazing move. Oh, yeah. Didn't overpay a dime. Nope. <laughs> If you, and again, before I go, you want to be optimistic about this? Be my guest. That's awesome. I wish I could share your optimism. And I want to be so wrong on this. I want the Oilers to go on and have this amazing offseason. Maybe they make a deal where James Neal, they don't have to, they don't have to buy him out. They can, they can trade him and you know add something to the deal, and someone can eat his contract for the next two years for far less than what the Leafs had to pay for Patrick Marlowe. That'd be awesome. Or do the same with Koskinen. They're able to dump Koskinen somewhere. That would be awesome. That would be so awesome. And then, hey, you've got you know over $10 million in cap space that was kind of dead that's now free. And then, hey, Duncan Keith's helping draw all these great free agents for reasonable money, and guys are taking hometown discounts because they want to play at Duncan Keith, and they, want, they love what the Oilers are doing. It'd be great. And then, hey, Duncan Keith gets back to all-star level hockey. Yeah, he's not a Norris Trophy candidate anymore, but he's a hell of a defenseman. Well worth five and a half. I want that so bad. The reality is this is probably one of the worst moves in the history of the Oilers. And this is a team that did Hall for Larson, did the 16th and 33rd picks for Griffin Reinhardt, And oh yeah, they did the Wayne Gretzky trade. That's not even including the Martin Messier trade. That's not even including the Miro Chetan trade. That's not even including putting Ray Whitney on waivers. Thanks for listening.